Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today, we return to the listener library for a request from our mysterious listener and Patreon supporter, Wayman. Wayman writes, The Bob Bailey Johnny Dollar serials are what got me into old-time radio. I listened to all the serials and eventually made my way to your podcast. I absolutely adored your coverage of the indestructible Mike matter. I'm desperate for you guys to cover another episode of Johnny Dollar. I don't much care which one, so just like Andy Dufresne, I'm going to write you a letter a week until you do another. Wayman was as good as his word and continued to write us weekly emails pleading for more Johnny Dollar. Although we agree with Wayman's enthusiastic endorsement of the Johnny Dollar serials, they present a challenge to our weekly discussion format. So I asked Wayman to recommend one of Bob Bailey's 30-minute episodes instead. He graciously agreed and sent me a list of episodes from which I chose the Sidewinder Matter. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, debuted on CBS December 8th, 1949. Described as America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, Johnny Dollar narrated each story in the form of an action-packed expense account. Many actors portrayed Johnny Dollar over the program's 12-year run, the very first Dick Powell. He recorded the show's pilot episode, but turned down the role in favor of the lead in Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Charles Russell, Edmund O'Brien, and John Lund followed Powell, each actor spending roughly two years in the role. CBS canceled the series in 1954, only to revive it again in 1955 with a new man in the lead, Bob Bailey, best known for his portrayal of George Valentine in the comedy-turned-detective series Let George Do It. Bailey's performance retained the hard-boiled edge of his predecessors, but tempered it with moments of humor, emotional vulnerability, and a genuine concern for people in need. CBS also changed the show's format from 30-minute standalone stories to multi-part serials. Dollar's cases were now broadcast five days a week in 15-minute episodes. CBS hired Jack Johnstone as head writer-director. Johnstone developed his serialized storytelling skills while working on The Adventures of Superman and perfected them on Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Freed from the constraints of the 30-minute detective story, Johnstone and his writers were able to use the extended runtime to develop complex plots and characters, distinguishing Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar from other more formulaic detective shows. Unfortunately, production costs for a five-day-a-week series proved too much for the network's ever-shrinking radio budget. In November of 1956, after airing 55 serials, CBS returned the program to its original once-a-week 30-minute format. Bailey and Johnstone remained with the show, but the writing was on the wall. The days of dramatic radio were coming to an end. In 1960, as a further cost-saving measure, CBS moved production of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, along with a significantly scaled-back version of Suspense, from Hollywood to New York. Bailey bowed out, preferring to stay in California. He was replaced briefly by Bob Reddick and later by Mandel Kramer. The final episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, The Tip-Off Matter, aired September 30th, 1962, followed immediately 
by the final broadcast of Suspense. And now let's listen to the Sidewinder Matter from yours truly, Johnny Dollar, first broadcast, February 7th, 1960. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Johnny Dollar. Johnny, this is Jake Kessler. You know, Greater Southwest Insurance Company. Out there in Kingman, Arizona? That's right. Well, hiya, Jake. What's on your mind? Uh, One of my clients, Johnny, insured for $30,000, has a little cattle ranch. Name is Rafe Chisholm. Rafe Chisholm. That's right. Owns a Circle RC layout. Lays over between here and that Lake Mojave resort you're always going to. What's the trouble? He losing some of his cattle? Oh, losing plenty of them. They're being poisoned. Oh? Only, it's not them steers I'm worried about. It's Rafe. What do you mean? Well, Johnny... I just found out that he just found out who's been contaminating them water troughs. Yeah, who, Jake? He won't say, but listen. Yeah? If he really does, well, I know Rafe Chisholm pretty good, Johnny. He's a bad character. I wished I'd never sold him insurance. Yeah, yeah. Well, if he does know, well, Johnny, this whole thing is going to end up in a killing. Either whoever's doing this or Rafe himself. The circle I see. That's right. So will you come out here and see what you can do about it right away? Sure. Okay, Jake, I'll be there. Radio brings you Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Thirsty people everywhere prefer ice-cold Pepsi-Cola, and because it's light, it refreshes without filling. Charlie, be sociable. I am, Kay. Pepsi is a favorite of thirsty people from Maine to Hawaii, from Alaska to Florida. Charlie. It's perfect for parties or picnics, so serve Pepsi to your guests. That's helpful, but... This is the sociable part. Keep plenty of Pepsi ice cold and ready. Remember, it goes fast because everybody likes Pepsi. Singing still sounds more inviting. May I? Be sociable, But singing doesn't say, pick up an extra carton of Pepsi today. Better yet, get a case. You do that. And now, act one of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Greater Southwest Insurance Company, Kingman, Arizona office. The following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Sidewinder matter. Jake Kessler hadn't given me very much to go on. But if my old friend Buster favor, if Buster knew about the Circle RC and its troubles, well, expense account item one is $350 for a phone call to Davis Dam 72, the Lake Mojave Resort. I sure do know about that water poisoning over at the Circle RC, Johnny. After all, it's only 50 or 60 miles from here. Good. Then Buster... I hope you, hope you can get on out here before somebody gets killed over it. Yeah, that's about the way Jake Kessler put it to me. So how'd you like to meet me at the airport over in Vegas? Be glad to. All right. Now, Buster, the best connection I can make will get me in there at 6 o'clock in the morning, okay? I'll be waiting for you, Johnny. Good. 
Item 2, 16390, Plain Fair to Las Vegas, Nevada. True to his word, Buster Faber was there waiting for me. In his car, we headed east on Route 95 to Boulder City, then turned south toward Kingman. And I wondered just how much food there was for a herd of beef cattle out here in this seemingly bare desert country. For sure it's a problem, Johnny, but a much bigger one is keeping them supplied with enough water. See those windmills here and there? Yeah, I've noticed them. Well, every one of them has a big water tank and a watering trough at the base of it. Without them, those Herefords all die off. We turn here. All right. Jake Kessler said this Rafe Chisholm is a pretty bad character. You ask me, Johnny, Rafe just soon kill a man as he wouldn't talk to him. The sidewinder, they call him. And good reason, too. He's just as mean as a sidewinder. Ah. That's why nobody was very happy to see him politic himself into a lease on that good ranch land with all the water it's got on it. Doubt if a single one of his pumps ever goes dry, which is more than you can say for most of the wells out here, believe me. But now somebody's poisoning the water for him. That's right. Any idea who? No doubt about it. Who, Buster? His ex-partner in a gold mine. Another bad character. Name is Jerry McCoy. It was by cheating Mac out of his chair of the mine that Chisholm got the money to lease the ranch. I see. And Mac swore if he ever caught up with Chisholm, he'd get even with him. Ask me, Johnny, Mac has caught up with him. Western cattle ranches go, it apparently wasn't a very large one. But Buster pointed out where the fence line extended nearly two miles back into the mountains at the east end of it. As we neared the ranch house, I could see what he'd meant about the water. There were more trees and green than I'd seen anywhere else in this desert country. The ranch house itself was a sprawling, unpainted affair, but there was a flower garden at the side that appeared to be doing quite well. A dozen or so chickens pecking away at the dirt. As we stopped, a woman came running out of the door, came over to meet us. Mr. Favor. Howdy, Miss Chisholm. I'd like you to meet Mr. Johnny Dollar. Oh, howdy, Mr. Dollar. Hi. Listen. Johnny's now, a Mr. special investigator for your husband's insurance company. Oh, then you've got to do something, Mr. Dollar. Do something about my husband, about Ray. Well, he's the one I came to see. Is he here? No. No, that's the reason you've got to do something about him. You've got to stop him. From what? Oh, it was about an hour ago that my son come in from out on the range. My son, Wayne. Yeah? Wayne had been over along the east fence fixing to repair a broken post. But instead, he come on back here and told his pa, told Ray. Told him what, Mrs. Chisholm? Jerry McCoy. McCoy. Wayne had saw McCoy out there fooling around the trough at the windmill, fixing to poison it he must have been. And it is McCoy. Oh, what did your husband do about it? Oh, he... He grabbed his pistol, that old forty-five, and that knapsack of his'n, and he rode out there after him. Rafe will kill him, Mr. Dollar. Oh, he'll get killed himself, Mr. Dollar. Yeah, uh, knapsack, did you say? Oh, yes, sir, that... that knapsack. Oh, why do you say it that way? What's in it? Oh, I don't rightly know, Mr. Dollar. Last few days, ever since he heard that McCoy was in these parts, he wouldn't let anybody touch it. He's kept it hid away. Mm, funny. Miss Chisholm, you think Wayne could show us where it was he saw Jerry McCoy? I don't know where he is. Wayne has gone out somewhere, too, and I'm so worried about him. Why do you say that, Mrs. Chisholm? With Rafe and the kind of temper he's in, anybody got in his way or tried to stop him? Rafe's a dangerous man, Mr. Dollar, and he's got that gun with him. But his own son? You don't know that Rafe, Mr we better find him quick. We'll have to track him, Johnny. Uh, Miss Chisholm, are there a couple of extra horses we can use? Oh, 
yes, help yourself. It's a lot better than a car out there in that mesquite and sage. Come on. And uh, maybe we'll find Wayne for you, too. Oh, I hope so, Mr. Caver. I hope he's all right. Yes, sir, I hope so, too. But with that crazy man out there with a gun. Yeah, come on, Buster. It looks like we've got our work cut out for us. For the 11th straight year, Camel outsold every other cigarette. Filter, king size, and regular. The best tobacco makes the best smoke. So if you're smoking more now but enjoying it less, change to Camel's. Get more real satisfaction every time. Start to really enjoy smoking again. Have a real cigarette, a real cigarette, a real cigarette, And now, act two of yours truly, Johnny Dollar and the Sidewinder Matter. Yeah, yeah, Johnny, I was afraid of this. Afraid of what? Those tracks down there, those hoof prints. I still don't see how you spot them, Buster, among all the cattle tracks and the other hoof prints. They're real fresh, Johnny. And Rafe's mount turns out his left forefoot a little. See it there? No. The other tracks that follow his... That must be the boy's horse. If Wayne catches up with him or old Rafe sees he's being followed... You got a gun with you, haven't you? Yeah, right here. Good. But I sure hope you don't have... Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I heard that. Gunshot, huh? Pistol shot. Must have been that forty-five Rafe's carrying. And it probably means that he's found McCoy. Or he's discovered that Wayne's trailing him. Only we had some way of knowing where that shot came from. If only I hadn't been so busy talking my fool head off. So, uh, well, I guess the only thing we can do is to keep following those trails. Hey, wait. Oh, boy. Johnny, that shot came from over there at Black Canyon, way over there to the right. Rafe has a windmill and a water trough and an old feed shack, too. Now let's go. Hi, oh, boy. What's the matter? Look over there. The top of that mesa. Those big dust clouds building up. I knew this here was too still out here. Johnny, that dust over the mesa coming this way means that inside of five, maybe ten minutes, we're going to be in the middle of the worst sandstorm you ever heard of. Well, we better get on back to the ranch. We'd never make it. we got to find cover. Come on, boy. Come on. But where, Buster? Over there on the right. Shadow Mountain. Big cave in the side of it. And let's go, brother. Come on, boy. Up, up. Just pray we can make it, Johnny. And believe me, I mean pray. Yeah. It was less than a mile to the cave in the side of Shadow Mountain. But by the time we'd covered half the distance, the sandstorm came roaring in on us. The hot, dry wind pounded and pummeled us at 50 or 60 miles an hour, hurling clouds of blinding, cutting sand ahead of it. 
how the horses were able to take this, I'll never know. Bent low on the saddle, our hats pulled down with handkerchiefs over our faces. We not only couldn't see, we could hardly breathe. As the storm got worse, we were forced to dismount to cover the heads of the horses with our coats to lead them on foot. But we kept on, and I prayed that Buster still knew where he was going. Buster, whom I could track only by hanging onto the tail of the horse that he was leading. Then, finally, the lee of Shadow Mountain, the life-saving protection afforded by the deep cave in the side of it. And there, to keep us company, were other fugitives from the sandstorm. Half a dozen jackrabbits, a couple of coyotes, a fox, and several kinds of rats and mice huddled together silently, forgetting for the moment all the ancient instinctive enmities in their escape from the peril outside of the cave. And the wind roared with the sound of thunder, shrieking its anger, its frustration at having failed to smother us out there, as though now trying to deafen us with its sheer power. As we crouched there, the horses stayed close to us, making strange sounds, little sounds that I'd never heard before. It was almost like the whimpering of a frightened child. Then, after what seemed like ages, but could only have been a couple of hours, the wind subsided. As suddenly as it had come up, I started to rise, but Buster touched my arm and motioned me to wait. And then came the hail. A hailstorm of the kind you may hear about and never quite believe. Right here in the middle of the Mojave Desert. Hailstorms. Some of them almost as big as golf balls dashed against the rocks outside. Hailstones rolled into the cave, then melted at our feet. Finally, it stopped. The little animals who'd been our companions quietly looked at one another, then one at a time departed. Maybe, maybe a little chastened by this having shared the comfort of each other's presence for a while. Well, Johnny, kind of gives you a respect for this desert, doesn't it? Yeah. Too bad those animals don't always get along so well. So peacefully, isn't it? I guess you could say that about some of the people in this world, too, couldn't you? Well, we lost our trail. But we know where those shots came. Johnny. Now what? Half under that rock. The one that blocks the entrance. There's somebody lying there, Buster. Must have come in during the storm. Wayne. Johnny, it's young Wayne Chisholm. Oh. Oh. Wayne. Are you all right, boy? Uh, hello, Mr. Favor. You're hurt, Wayne. You've been shot. Who did this? My, my pa. Your pa? Rafe Chisholm? I'll be all right. What happened? I, it was terrible. Tell us, boy. Tell us. Terrible. Terrible. Act three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, in a moment. Meet star Stuart Irwin. Nothing's worse for an actor than a nasty cold. To feel better quickly, I take wonderful four-way cold tablets. A fast way to relieve cold distress. Right. Tests of all the leading cold tablets proved four-way fastest acting. Four-way starts in minutes to relieve muscular pains, headache, reduce fever, calm upset stomach, also overcomes irregularity. Take my advice. For your next cold, take four-way cold tablets. The fast way to relieve those cold miseries. Four-way, only 29 cents. And now, here's a word about another fine product of Grove Laboratories. To get rid of embarrassing dandruff in three minutes, change to Fitch Dandruff Remover Shampoo. Three minutes with Fitch regularly is guaranteed to keep unsightly dandruff away forever. Apply Fitch before wetting hair. Rub in one minute. Add water, lather one minute. Then rinse one minute. Every trace of dandruff goes down the drain. Three minutes with Fitch and embarrassing dandruff's gone. 
At the same time, Fitch can brighten hair up to 35%. Get Fitch Dandruff Remover Shampoo today. And now, Act Three of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Wayne boy, listen to me. You mean your own father shot you? Yes, sir. But it's all right. He only nicked me. What happened, Wayne? Well, I don't think he meant to hit me, Mr. Faber. Well? But when he saw that I'd followed him after he got there looking for Jerry McCoy... Did he find McCoy? Well, he told me to go back, and he cursed me, and he fired a couple of wild shots at me. The three we heard. But I don't think he meant to hit me. I wonder. Then I hid behind some deer brush, and then worked my way down again so as I could see what he was doing. Well, what about McCoy? Oh, Paul... Paul found him all right. There in the feed shack, there in Black Canyon, where he was skinning out one of our young steers, in there out of the sun. Okay, then, Johnny, we better get on over. No, no, wait, wait, Buster. Then what happened, Wayne? It was terrible, mister. It was awful. I was close enough I could see him. I could hear him through the open window of the feed shack. You think I didn't know all the time it was you, McCoy, that was poisoning the water for my cattle? Yeah. Well, I told you I'd get even for what you'd done to me over in that gold mine, Rafe, and now I've got you just... No, 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 put down that gun. Don't. Don't kill me, Rafe. Kill you? And get myself in real trouble? Then put it down. Put it away. See, I got no gun on me. I ought to kill you, Mac. I've been thinking about this a long time, about what I'd do when I caught you. But what's the use? What's the use of killing you? Listen, listen, Rafe, I'll make it up to you for the cat I've poisoned. Make it up? Yeah. Insurance takes care of that. So, Mac, I'm going to let you go. Yeah. You mean you ain't going to turn me over to the police? Only if you do exactly what I tell you to do. Yeah, yeah, Rafe, I'll do anything. Sure you will, because I got this gun on you. Now start cutting a lot of strips, a lot of thongs off of that steer hide. You're going to tie me up? You're going to leave me out here to die? Well, I can tell you. Go ahead. Or maybe I will pull this trigger. But you said you'd let me go, Rafe. Hurry up. You're going to need a lot of them. Me? What? I don't understand you. <laughs> you think I'd want anybody to know I let you go? The man that was poisoning my cattle? Keep cutting them strips. I am, Rafe. I am. Yeah, it's got to look like you got the best of me. Tied me up and left. What? You're going to tie me up to this post in here. Tie you up? Go ahead, do like I tell you. Go ahead, Mac. Unless you want a bullet in your head. Go ahead. All right. Pull them strips around my ankle tighter. Yeah. Yeah, Rafe. Short. Put another one around my neck, around the post. Yeah. But if this is some trick on me, Rafe. It ain't no trick. But now listen, a couple of days out of here, with no water, you die. Come on, tighter. I still got this gun on you. But I'm no killer, Rafe. You won't be. Because a couple of hours and that boy of mine will be back here with help. I don't trust you. They see me tied up this way, they'll never know I got soft and let you get away. I still don't trust you. Yeah. You got no choice. Now, here you are. You'll never get loose. Unless they come out and cut you loose. You think I'd take this chance if I didn't know they would? Now you get out of here. The wind's coming up, and there's going to be a sandstorm. All right. I will. And, uh, here. 
gun. That's right. Take it. Because I know you ain't got the guts to use it on me. And it's better if they think you took it off me. I don't get it, Rafe. But I better get out of here before they come for you. That's right. You can take my horse, too. Your horse, too, huh? Well, sure, sure, I will. Don't touch that knapsack out there on the ground. Knapsack? Well, Rafe, that's the one you carried when we was prospecting. You, you mean... No. Any nuggets in that are mine, Mac? Nuggets? Gold? Ah, yeah, some of the gold you cheated me out of, huh? I'll see for myself. No. Mac, you open that knapsack and you'll be sorry. Eh? Will I? Well, you can't stop me. Tied up that way, you can't stop me. Now, because now, open it up. what's in here rightly belongs to me. Every... Ah! Knapsack was three sidewinders. Sidewinders? Rattlesnakes? Good Lord. McCoy, he, he didn't have a chance. Good Lord. There was enough poison in him? Yeah. And not knowing that you'd seen all this, but knowing you'll come back with help, that we'll find him tied up there. Yeah, Johnny. Reeves made it look like he has a perfect alibi. Not that McCoy didn't deserve to die poisoning cattle. It's still murder, Buster. Wayne, do you think you can make it to the ranch? Yes, sir. Then come on, Buster. We'll go on to Black Canyon. We'll pick up our killer. Okay, Johnny. Ironic, isn't it? Yeah. All trussed up and waiting for us. By his own doing. It was late in the afternoon by the time we reached the watering trough in the old feed shack. And the body of Jerry McCoy. Already half buried by the sandstorm. I wondered what sort of punishment could possibly be enough for the man who'd done this to him. Yeah, I wondered until we found Rafe Chisholm tied to that post. Wait a minute. Johnny. We're too late. I know. Rawhide. Green steer hide. As it dried out, it shrank tighter and tighter around his body, around his neck until he's, until, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And who's to question the ways of justice? Expense account total, including a couple of drinks for Buster and myself on the trip back to Hartford... 34540. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. That was the Sidewinder Matter from Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That comes to us from our Patreon supporter, Wayman who uh, begged us and begged us and begged us and begged us and begged us to do this, and Joshua consented, and <laughs> we now have it. And I uh, would like to thank you, Wayman. That was the best episode of The Lone Ranger I've ever listened to. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and I did say in the intro because uh, he sent me a number of episodes right. which I listened to and chose this particular one. And I'm curious to find out why you chose this particular one. But this is the thing with yours truly, Johnny Dollar. First of all, it's got a rabid fan base. I am aware of that. So I'm not going to cross any line here as far as people who really love it. I the, don't have a strong opinion on a podcast by any means. <laughs> I don't listen to it. Unless it's brought to the table on this podcast. Uh, so that's all I've really listened to. So I don't really have an opinion based on comparing this to other Johnny Dollars. I can only judge this on its own merit. Was it something that was interesting for me to listen to? Um, it's because mostly I'm so confused by the, by the concept of the show of the insurance guy because so frequently it what is happening doesn't require an insurance guy to be involved. <laughs> and so I'm like, why are they calling this guy? Why is he? Involved? And this is a great example of that. And the entire plot and the resolution of this plot, Johnny Dollar's not even involved. That is the thing that really stood out to me in this episode that really made me think like, this might be what's so appealing about Johnny Dollar <laughs> is that, it, like you say, in the format wise, he's not trying to really stop anyone from doing anything wrong. <laughs> He's right. just there to kind of figure out what happened. Well, not even what happened. In this scenario, he's just called to make sure no one kills anybody. Which is weird to call the insurance guy. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's part of the reason that. I really like this episode. Is because it, it's, <laughs> okay. I think it's representative of a type of Johnny Dollar story that I've heard before where he ends up being more of an observer than necessarily a detective. Yeah, not a protagonist, certainly. Yeah. He's barely a participant. He, <laughs> yeah, he's only he's... there at the events. And I don't think that's r bad in that, to me, the story still has a lot of really interesting elements. If you just go with the story of the ending of this, where the guy says, tie me up, take my gun, and yeah, yeah, don't go in that bag, and he gets his revenge, and it's the perfect crime until the cowhide shrinks, right? All of that, I absolutely love. If you take Johnny Dollar out of this, I love this story. <laughs> I just don't understand what he's doing here. Again, well, because it's his series. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Listen to the adventures of some guy looking at stuff. I think right. it comes down to, do you love Bob Bailey? And I love his performance. So I, do I too. find him to be a great guide through the story, particularly his performance when left to describe pretty much through narration the sandstorm, yes. I think is great. I agree. And so I don't mind an occasional Johnny Dollar episode where he's just there and just got to write off some expenses while he watched some really crazy stuff happen. <laughs> because it's what I do, here's why they went to the insurance guy. Because he's leasing the ranch? Is he leasing the cattle? His cattle's being insured. So I assume the initial call to the insurance agent is because his cattle's been poisoned, and I'm right. wondering if they're insured. Right. But the point of it is that I know a guy, I've got a friend who can investigate and look into this who's not a cop. I don't know any cops. I can't get the police to come, but I can get Johnny Dollar to come. Right. Because it's technically an insurance matter, but he's not worried that there's insurance fraud. He's just worried that... It's going to end up in murder. It's almost like the guy's conscience is bothering him because he says, I wish I had never insured this guy because he's yes. such a bad man. And now I have knowledge of this thing going on through an insurance claim and it's weighing on me, which I thought was a really interesting and original way to enter the story. 
every story opens with a phone call that Johnny Dollar gets right. being sent on a case. I don't hate it. I just get confused by certain elements. The thing that I, I really enjoyed, and it's particularly the very, very, very end, and this is a, a case where it took a while to get where it's going, but you get to a point of like, all right, now he's following the son who's following his dad, and what's going on? And then gunshots, sandstorm, snakes. <laughs> just right. Like the body count starts to rise, and they're all different ways, and none of them are from the gunshot. And None of it is what you expect to happen. Yeah. It telegraphs everything that's going to happen, but in, in many cases you don't believe it. For example, despite every single character telling you that Raph Chisholm is a bad man, he'll shoot his own son, I went, he's not going to shoot his own son. And then you're like, he shot his own son! <laughs> and then when his son says, oh, he didn't mean to, it's just a nick, I then don't believe him. At that no. point, then I go, well, I was wrong. He's clearly a bad man. This is a, right. an abused child who's defending his father. Correct. But then you find out, oh, wait, Wayne's right, because he wouldn't intentionally shoot Wayne right. because Wayne's a critical part yeah. of his alibi. And so I, I just and was enjoying And his alibi. rescue. Yeah, and his rescue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. His, his alibi is dependent on a rescue. <laughs> right. Yeah. I yes, also sir. love his plot because if you replace cowhide strips with Peter Falk, it's a Columbo villain plan like if his oh, alibi yes. had yes. actually worked and he'd survived only Columbo could have cracked it yeah yeah that's a fascinating uh take on that uh i i want to dive into something that was so fascinating that i can't tell if i loved it or hated it there is a pink floyd song oh here we go called several species of small furry animals <laughs> gathered together in a cave and grooving with a picked i know that one okay does that song not enter your head when they're in the cave having their Disney moment with all of the <laughs> oh. all of the animals and how for hours me and all the animals we just hung out together and then that philosophical delve into God I wish the world was like that and that was a weird I don't know if I loved it or hated it I loved it but I went a totally different place than that uh, which probably tells you what <laughs> where we're coming from but this made me think of the biblical peaceable kingdom imagery ah. specifically the lion will lay down with the lamb and yes. then i was like oh i'm gonna look that up again and then what's really interesting if you pull out this entire quote from isaiah there are several in there uh but it talks about the wolf shall live with the lamb the leopard shall lie down with the kid lots of other animals hanging out together being groovy and then it says and a little child shall lead them <laughs> and then as soon as they get out of they find right. wayne who saw it all and leads them to the bad guy at the end. So that's where my yours, mind went. Yeah, yours is better. <laughs> but I really love that Pink Floyd song, so I like to kind of combine them. We could do a mashup. No, my only thought was like, oh, yes, they can all live very peaceably when the world is falling apart outside. <laughs> like, right. This only works if something horrible is happening. Well, yeah, it's true about coming together, though, as uh, people. Tragedy bonding us together and, and putting aside our yeah, differences. A common enemy always yeah, makes common enemies, it. right? Like in this podcast, how much we hate Tim. <laughs> Do we all hate Tim? Is that yeah, all? even Tim hates Tim. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, I was so taken with this peaceable kingdom imagery that I, I thought they missed a beat with Raph Chisholm's death by not having the sandstorm chase 
the rattlesnakes back into the shack. That's what I was convinced would happen, seeking shelter. And then you would have this contrast to the cave where right. everyone was peaceable, but you send the serpents <laughs> back <laughs> into the garden and they right. get frightened and bite and kill them. And I, right. I was hoping they would put more of a, like a thematic bookend there. I think you just rewrote that much better. Uh, I do have also a qualm with production value. Uh, there are some moments that I thought were missed. It's 1960, so they yeah. had an incredibly low budget. But we should be able to hear cutting of animal strips. But even more importantly, and easy and cheap, when he opens the bag, we should hear rattlesnakes before he screams. They don't even go, ah, you know, but like the hiss and a rattle. We're, we're in the shack with Raph when we hear that, and he's outside with those rattlesnakes. Oh, so I, I think we hear it from a distance, which is why we only hear the screams. All right. I don't know why I'm defending this, but uh, I would have uh, liked I think to... you're right, as in it is light on Foley, but yes. that is true of this entire later era of yes. old-time radio. But this when... is 1960, so right. they are just almost done. They are phoning it in. And I thought this was a particularly interesting and strong episode for 1960. Mm-hmm. You can also tell it's 1960 because... Uh, they have so many different sponsors. The story's yes. 22 minutes long, three and acts. they still have four different sponsors. Yep. They're just desperately trying to make some money. Was the implication that he had had snakes in that bag for a long time? Yes, since he left the house. Because she says he left with that bag. What Remember that? Yeah, and she implies he's been carrying around for days, waiting for this opportunity. That's a long time to carry snakes around. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were just getting angrier <laughs> and angrier. It's a hell of a plan. It's a little convoluted. Uh, but they set up that he's just crazy and evil. So I, I, by the time yeah. we finally meet him, I bought it. This plan is flawless unless an insurance investigator gets involved. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm enamored by your analogy of this is an cl- episode of Columbo. Isn't it? It's such a convoluted plot that it could only be... It's convoluted, but if it worked, it's genius. It, all of Columbo's, oh, that's a genius way to kill a guy. Oh, if it wasn't for Columbo, you totally would have gotten away <laughs> with that. Yeah, you're exactly right. And most of the time, even when Columbo catches them, it's circumstantial evidence that they probably still got away with because we never <laughs> see the trial. Yeah, <laughs> That they got let it go yeah. because he broke all sorts of laws yeah, of in course. his investigation. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, for so the Columbo podcast. Hope they have to uh, confess. I was like, oh, <laughs> good job catching me. I confess. <laughs> <laughs> well, that happens a lot in Columbo. <laughs> I do want to point out. Very good detective. <laughs> I haven't listened to much. Johnny Dollar, particularly from this later post-serial era, I most of the Johnny Dollar I've listened to is the Jack Johnstone um, serial yeah. stories, which I really, really love. Yeah. I share people's love of those serials. Um, but I recently listened to a different episode of Johnny Dollar that also featured his pal Buster and this oh. set in Nevada. So I don't know if it's just these two stories or every time there's a insurance case in Nevada, he teams up with Buster, but it's actually another really good episode. It's called The Yours Truly Matter, and I recommend it highly. Johnny Dollar is actually on vacation, so it's another outlier, different sort of episode, and he gets caught up in some other shenanigans on vacation in Las Vegas. I suppose if you have an expense account, Las Vegas is top of the list of that's where I want to go handle some issues. And of course, spoilers, but he's really excited at the end. He gets to write off a bunch of his vacation (laughs) stuff because he gets caught up in an insurance issue. (laughs) We'll bring it to the podcast. Otherwise, nope. (laughs) 
Well, should we vote? Yeah. Sure. I'll start just to get it out of the way. I did not at any point say I'm having a terrible time. I was through to the end and I enjoyed every minute of it. That's pretty good acting. And I, I do get confused by the premise of the show. But in all fairness, you're confused by insurance yep. in general, right? Like, yeah, like I don't most have insurance. Americans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But if you drop that, again, and I know I sounded like a complete smartass at the top of this, but I do mean it. It's a great episode of The Lone Ranger. And what I mean by that is that it was like this old Western with the sandstorm and following the guy. It had a Western feel to it. And... The, and what the bad guy did and how fate thwarted him and got him back for his... I liked all of it, and I had a great time. Not a classic. I, I'm not sure it stands a test of time, but uh, it was good. How about that? It was just fine, which needs to be a category. And it's just fine. Um, this had so much exposition, so much talking to people. I'm amazed how much I enjoyed it for how right. much it asks of a listener. And the payoff at the end, I think, is worth it. It does a great job. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this with all the same caveats that Tim has. It, it, it shouldn't be as enjoyable as it is from a purely um, narrative standpoint. Yeah. But uh, elements of it are so engaging. Uh, I like the man against nature themes. I like the biblical slash Pink Floyd illusions. <laughs> <laughs> the, the slightly hard-boiled tone that reminded me of the serials, yet it's set on a ranch. So that even that contrast works really well for me. Um, it's simple. But uh, satisfying. It, it's not a classic of old-time radio by any means, but it definitely stands the test of time, and I really liked it. Did you picture all the animals leaving the cave and waving goodbye and saying, See ya, Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> I pictured the. All right, I'll give you 15 seconds head start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair's fair. You get going. <laughs> All right, Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com, home of this podcast, although you can also hear this podcast and all kinds of different podcast providers out there in the world. But our home is Ghoulish Delights, and there you can vote in polls, you can leave comments, let us know what you think of these episodes, you can send us messages, you can shop at our online Threadless store, you can also find a link to our Patreon page. Yes, you can go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast. We have all kinds of benefits. Uh, one of them is our Discord thing. I never know the it's right noun. Channel? It's a Discord channel. channel. It's server? a Platform. server. It's a, it's a Discord noun that we have. Discord just, sack of snakes. <laughs> just for patrons. Sandwich. And I mention that because I have had uh, many fine interactions with Wayman who recommended this and a bunch of other patron supporters because I, I frequently dip into Discord and Tim sometimes does too. And Eric is wherever Eric is. <laughs> He's got the sandwich. <laughs> Discord sandwich. <laughs> but yeah, there's just all sorts of fun stuff. So if you want to uh, talk to other uh, old-time radio enthusiasts, uh, hang out with us in various uh, mediums, whether that be through Zoom happy hours, whether that be through my mysterious old book club, or through Discord, come to patreon.com slash the morals and check us out. Another advantage of being a Patreon is that the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society also performs audio theater, and we do that once a month, and we perform uh, old-time radio classics 
and recreations of that, and a lot of our own original audio drama. You can see us live. Just find out where we're performing every month by going to ghoulishdelights.com or mysteriousoldradiolisteningsociety.com and see what we're performing and where we're performing. Buy a ticket, come see us. But if you're a Patreon, heck, you don't even have to do that because we record them and you can watch them for free. It's part of your Patreon subscription and you can see our monthly live performances. We are here in 2022, uh, summer of 2022. We are now moving to another theater uh, we've been performing live for about five years yeah. every month, and now we are going to the Bright Lake Bowl Theater uh, this fall, and we're really excited about if being you there. you like bowling and old-time radio, we have the venue for you. I will also add this. If you've never been there and you're in the area, the food is phenomenal. It's really worth coming. Not for us. Just get some pad thai. Yeah. All right, what do we got coming up next? Next is my pick, and we will be listening to an episode of Vanishing Point called The Playground. Until then... Look out! The life-saving protection afforded by the deep cave in the side of it. And there, to keep us company, were other fugitives from the sandstorm. Half a dozen jackrabbits, a couple of coyotes, a fox, several kinds of rats and mice, huddled together silently. Forgetting for the moment all the ancient instinctive enmity and their escape from the peril outside of the cave. Finally, it stopped. The little animals who'd been our companions quietly looked at one another. Then, one at a time, departed. Maybe, maybe a little chastened by this having shared the comfort of each other's presence for a 